I've seen a lot of people talking lately about how rock and roll is dead. And I don't believe it's dead, but it isn't doing all that well, at least not in the popular imagination. And I think that's the key word. Why isn't rock taking over the charts? Because it's forgotten what it is. It's forgotten its heart. And I think we need to go back to that. Rock and roll is a music of fantasy. And, well, that imagination hasn't really been alive and well within it in quite some time. So, I want to talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today, I want to talk about rock music because it's near and dear to my heart. It's probably my favorite genre of music. And it's not doing all that well. And since everybody is doing these wonderful articles about how rock's dead or how rock can come back and it's just dead, I thought I would just talk about it because... It's not dead. It's alive, and it's going quite well. The industry has a problem, though. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this podcast in the first place. Alrighty. Rock and roll is dead. Okay. Sure. Fine. And so is jazz and bebop and the blues, even though they all have vibrant communities based around them. Yeah, sure. They might not be top 10 chart topping mega successes, but they're still around. Why don't we talk about how they're dead? Well, I think it's because rock used to dominate the charts for such a long time, and rock actually displaced jazz as the number one pop genre in the United States until we decided that pop music was different from rock music, and it went off to become its own thing. So what do I think has happened to rock music? No, (laughs) where to start? I want to start with the Factionalization. Yeah. Yeah, this seems to be what destroys most genres and most things in life. When I was growing up, in the dark ages of the 80s and 90s, everything was rock. We, we didn't, well, we did use terms like punk and goth and industrial and alternative, as much as I hate that term. These words didn't mean what they tended to grow into. In fact, alternative music was originally alternative music because it was the alternative to pop music. Until, of course, a whole bunch of alternative bands ended up becoming popular, and then, yeah, it became a genre in and of itself. And that, to me, is the beginning 
of the death of rock music. Because now we have an arbitrary line drawn right down the middle of it, where you have alternative acts and you have rock. And this dividing line for me is so, so arbitrary and it is so unnecessary because it cuts out half or more of the bands that we could be talking about here. But it's a distinction that had value and merit because of the second thing that killed rock music, and that would be Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I'm going to put the blame square on them. They created some great music. Don't get me wrong. I'm not attacking Nirvana and I'm not attacking Pearl Jam. Great bands, great music. But Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain did more to destroy rock music than a lot of artists that have come since them. How? They are the archetype for the death of the rock star. Neither one of them wanted to be a rock star. Now, they they got fame. Eddie Vedder eventually eschewed his fame and took the band into a much more obscure place, but... And Kurt Cobain had a lot of fame in his life, but, well, we all know that he died. Not going to say anything else about that. Anyway, uh, moving on, their rejection of the, of the archetypal image of the rock star eroded the idea that an imp- the, the, one of the most important ideas in the rock genre, and that was the charismatic frontman. What is Queen without Freddie Mercury? I mean, really, what what is the Rolling Stones without Mick Jagger? Every rock band had one, two, sometimes if you were lucky with a Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or something like that, you had more. The Rolling Stones also gave us Keith Richards. And these people were larger than life and interesting in their own rights. And they took on a cachet of celebrity that kept interest in the bands to the point where people still talk about Mick Jagger today. I mean, one of the popular songs of the last decade actually name-checked him in the lyrics. But with Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder and that entire crop of genre-defining rock musicians who came in in the 1990s, this idea that you were going to put yourself out there as somebody to be followed, somebody to be known, somebody who is there to get renown and fame and glory. Well, no, we're not going to do any of that. You see, this is the age of the humble rock star. Mm, yeah, humble rock stars, that, that, that didn't carry on very well, did it? And when you look at the bands that follow, none of them were able to put forward that sort of charismatic leader. I mean, I know the names of some people from, I don't know, My Chemical Romance, but they didn't really give themselves that kind of stage presence and fame that would carry the band into the collective memory and to keep the band relevant and powerful. And that's a big problem. You see, Kesha, K- 
kept Kesha around because Kesha is charismatic. Now, I don't want to get into a whole thing about her music because I personally love Kesha, but it's her personality that for those years when she was not allowed to record anything as a personality, she was so interesting that she stayed in the news. She stayed in the headlines. She stayed relevant. People cared about her so that when music eventually started coming back out, she didn't lose her fan base. And we can talk about Kanye West. We can talk about Drake. We can talk about Migos. We can talk about any number of hip hop pop artists. And Taylor Swift is a master of this. In fact, I would posit that 99% of her success comes from her ability to cultivate this celebrity image that keeps people interested in her. And I'm not saying that rock music should be all about image, but let's face it, rock music is all about image and always has been, from Elvis Presley to Kiss, to the grunge musicians that tried to bring about the death of the artist. Image is a very important and very powerful element in pop culture. And without that charismatic front person, without that celebrity factor, without that interesting factor, be it in the look of the band or the music of the band, or just the sheer charisma of whoever they send forth to speak on behalf of the band, well, rock music suffers because it isn't able to capture the collective imagination in a field where it's competing against your Travis Scotts and your Takashi 6ix9ines and your Post Malones. In fact, I would almost bet you money that Post Malone is a, what is Post Malone again? A singer. Let's say, let's say a singer and not a rock musician. It's because it's easier to sell him as whatever he is than if he was a rock musician. But he carries himself like a rock star. He acts like a rock star. He has all of the cachet of a rock star, and thus is able to grow a significant fan base, have significant hits, and keep himself relevant. And that's a big problem when we don't have those artists coming up. We don't have bands being cultivated for that. But that's not the only problem. There are so many more. And as I am wont to say in my life, Gene Simmons is very wrong about what they are. Streaming killed the radio star in very much the same way as music videos did before. But no, streaming is not the reason we don't have rock musicians today. Because if that were the case, we wouldn't have pop stars and we wouldn't have hip-hop acts and all of the other things that we do have. So no, Mr. Simmons, it's not the streaming that's the problem. It's an industry problem that every creative industry is having to deal with, from your movies and television that are having to deal with the Netflixes and all of the the Hulus and the Disney Pluses and the HBO Maxes, to the musicians that have to deal with the Spotify's and 
the Apple Music's and its title still a thing? But yeah, all of these things, all of the other genres have to deal with too. So it's not a problem. Well, it is a problem, but streaming is not why we don't have rock bands. It isn't. In fact, I would venture to say that a very capable rock band would be able to use social media to get people to get interested in them and give us a band like Zeal and Ardor, one of the most original, innovative, amazing bands that's come out in a while. And I found out about them because of social media. Yeah, you can still have rock bands in the age of streaming. But we can talk about rock radio and the problem that American terrestrial radio is still very important. And the fact that it only plays the classics and very rarely plays anything by new artists. And we can talk about all of that. And that is very much a problem. But I would posit that one of the biggest problems is the music itself. I listen to a lot of rock music and I listen to a lot of things that I would call rock music that sometimes gets classified in other genres. So if you disagree with me that any of the following artists that I talk about are rock, then okay, we can have that conversation. But from bands like the Vogue Villains to Ghost to, I would even put certain artists like Aviva into this category. They all not only have an image, but have a message. They have an imagination because rock music is about fantasy, whatever that fantasy might be. And to explain that, let's just go to the granddaddy of rock music, Led Zeppelin. The fantasies are either about a whole lot of love or a stairway to heaven. But either way, what they're selling is fantasy. Sometimes they're selling sex. Sometimes they're selling mysticism. Sometimes they're selling magic. But they're selling fantasy. And you can see this even in the darker tones of bands like from the downfall of the genre, like Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, they're still selling a we are who we are. We are a collective. We have a voice. We have power. Even if the powers that be hold us down, they're selling fantasy. And the two things to me that make rock really rock is that it lives in that zone that it doesn't forget its blues roots. And that may mean that it has guitars. Often it does. But it's more where the sound of the music comes from. That it maintains that connection to the blues. And, very importantly, that it tells you a story. Now, it could be a simple story about, hey, there's this awesome person I hooked up with last night, and oh, sex is fun. Because... A lot of classic rock songs. Yeah, that's all they are. Or they could tell you an amazing story, like Stairway to Heaven or Cashmere. But whatever they're doing, they're selling fantasy. They're selling dreams. And that's what has always made rock and roll rock and roll. Whether that's rocking around the clock tonight or anything by the Beatles. Look at their lyrics. Look at the music. They're selling you a fantasy. They're selling you a dream. Because that's what really separates 
rock music from the blues, especially back at its inception. The blues tells stories, true stories, even if they're not factual stories, about life and who we are and our struggles. All of that gets repurposed and played with in rock music and becomes the story of our conquests and our victories and sometimes our losses. It becomes the story of us, of our dreams, our hopes, our ambitions. Sometimes when those ambitions are thwarted, sometimes when those ambitions are bigger than we are. And it's those themes that connect and resonate with people throughout the ages, whether it be through humor or through raw sex appeal. These are the things that have always connected rock music to its fan base. And that fan base was always broad. Very broad. When you look at the biggest rock acts, they had fans that were men, women, and people of variant genders, sexualities, and ethnicities. Rock didn't limit itself. Until it did. Until it decided, like mainstream rock radio did, that it's going to be for white men. Particularly white men of a particular age and of a particular persuasion. And that's where it lost itself. That's where it lost its identity. That's where it lost its heart. Because if you're not peddling dreams, if you're not peddling desire, if you're not connecting to those raw, basic emotions that we all have as humans, from sadness to joy to desire, you're not going to connect with people. You can be as technically brilliant as you want to with your instrument. Whatever it is, your voice, your guitar, your drums, your bass, your keyboards, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're not selling something. If you're not getting people to go along for the ride with you. If you're not getting people to dream. And so from bands like Halus with Starwriter, which I still can't get out of my head to this day, that makes me want to fly away and explore the universe. It's a beautiful song. Those artists are still out there. The Vogue Villains, which I've already mentioned in this podcast, have such a wonderful tongue-in-cheek humor that I just can't stop listening to them. Ghost sells everything from sexuality to dreams of the future, dreams of the past, horrible nightmares about where we are. And they've constructed a narrative around themselves to sell the fantasy which is one of the reasons why they're one of the biggest bands in rock right now. It's the fantasy that makes rock music powerful. So, yeah, you can sit around and talk about your feelings and how much you love this, that, and the other thing, or how brilliant you are about this, that, and the other thing. If you want to connect with people, you have to connect to their basic emotional states. And yeah, we can talk about how innovation's important and this, that, and the other thing. But the real problem with rock is a lack of charisma. It's not farming for charisma. That's not what it's looking for. And that's fine. It can remain a niche. Jazz stopped doing that a long time ago. It stopped looking for its Duke Ellingtons and decided to find people that were just proficient at playing the music. 
and it became its own subculture, and that's wonderful. And if it's Rock's turn to do that, then it's Rock's turn to do that. But if we are ever going to see Rock come back to the top again, we need charismatic people to lead it. We need songs that connect right to the heart of people that they can't help but sing along. That's it. It can be as nostalgia, nostalgic an act as you want, or as an innovative as an act as you want. It's all about that connection. And that's all that matters. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on social media. I am C. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you've got a dollar that you can pass my way, you can join the project by going into those same show notes and either clicking on the listener support or my Patreon. As little as a dollar a month, you can join the project and help me to do everything that I do. And thank you to everyone who already does that. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody that you think would like what I'm doing, please share the podcast or whatever it is with them. That really helps more than you know. Alrighty, so until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.